The following podcast is for mature audiences only. Yo, this is Black Morris, and you're tuned into the Chemtrails Podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody, to Chemtrails, your podcast, favorite podcast. <laughs> you join with Mo Chris, along with my co-hosts, Trader Dre and What's AP. Up? What up, what up? What's going on, man? Yeah, man. Yeah, back for another episode. So uh, what's, on, what's on you guys' mind? Let's go ahead and get started. Yes, sir. Man, I'm... First things first, it's been all over the news, man. This doggone Jeffrey Epstein thing, man. Him committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And I just, I cannot help but think this was a serious political conspiracy to get this guy killed, man. I mean, here he is, a billionaire, you know, charged with sex trafficking back, you know, stuff going back like 20, 30 years and, you know, having island parties with, with other millionaires and billionaires. This guy was in bed with the Clintons, the Trumps, the the all the the big wigs out there, man. I mean, there's too much money involved in this for this guy to just all of a sudden just say, man, no, I can't do it no more. Right. <laughs> 66 years old, he ain't had nothing to lose, man. No, he just knew too much. So I just... That's been on my mind. I can't stop thinking about it, man. I'm about to do some research, figure out what's going on there. But that's been uh, been a topic of discussion for for me and my wife and stuff today. Yeah, it's, a, it's a popular meme of uh, of going around on Instagram and I, and uh, and Twitter and all that. It shows like uh, it has a comment that says the last visitor of Jeffrey Epstein and it's Hillary Clinton with a mustache. <laughs> that's the last bitch that visited uh jeffrey epstein was hillary clinton with a mustache i guess trying to you know have that disguise or whatever <laughs> and, uh, so. hey man you know the internet is undefeated man <laughs> undefeated. But they, they had like a video of, of dude like that's what's got me though they got like a video they had on uh i was watching sky news right Right. And I don't know if y'all know, Sky News is that British news. So it's like, it's basically like the British version of like CNN, but not quite as restricted. But they had like access to the prison cameras and they showed this dude like working out. And like I said, he's 66 years old, but this dude was like working out, had like this big, like, I'm guessing like, uh, uh, just had this big dude like working out with him. And I'm like, there goes pay protection right there, man. He had his own bodyguards already. He was in the joint, yeah. but he had his. They knew he was a billionaire, and they knew. Oh man, yeah, man. You know, you come on our side, you know, we'll protect you, bro. This guy had nothing to worry about. He was gonna be okay. So I'm trying to figure out how they got to him. He was on suicide watch too. So when you're on suicide watch, you like restricted and limited on what you can and can't have. You, right. Basically, you can't have stuff that you can commit suicide with. So how did he commit suicide? And it was Supermax prison, too. Now, he was still on it. They said they took him out, but he was still on suicide watch, supposedly. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's, that's where all this confusion is Exactly. Yep. Right? Yep. It's like, here he is. 
he was supposed to be on suicide watch less than 10 days earlier. And, you know, now all of a sudden he's got extended periods with no guards, no roommate, no nothing, right. just access to everything that's needed. This was a this is a bureaucratic nightmare for these guys. And I, I think uh, the attorney general came on, did his little song and dance like we are deeply upset and disappointed. <laughs> and the co-conspirators will not get to rest easy. This is not over. And I'm like, yeah, man, this shit does. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Y'all ain't gonna find nothing. Well, before this before is... we move on, <laughs> what what let's see, what kind of let's think let's think about some of the names he probably could have possibly dropped. What what are some of the names that you think would have dropped like is Harvey Weinstein amongst that bunch or uh man. This ain't this ain't even Harvey Weinstein ain't even this man's radar. If this would have been some rock ales, this would have been this would have been Bush, Perot. This would have been like oil money with guys you don't know their name, but they know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, This would have been like the leaders of pharmaceutical companies, like the Knight family. And all of that stuff, man. This, this is this is that old deep money. This, that that's who was there and around this guy. He was surrounded by the who's who of of the of the world. So, right. uh, you know, hell, really? man. You know what? It's, I would be surprised if it was goddamn Zuckerberg, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the new billionaires too, huh? Yeah, yeah, man. That new money. Everybody can get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like oh, I said, shit. it's always big news when a billionaire goes to prison or hang itself. But but uh, what about you, AP? What's on your mind? Man, what's on my mind, man? So for all the listeners out there that probably don't know, I've been, uh, I'm what you consider a, a hybrid. I'm like vegan slash pescatarian. So everything once in a while. I like eat some fish, but for the most part, I try to go vegan. So Burger King has this new burger called the uh, Impossible Burger, and it's supposed to, from what I've heard, it's supposed to be taste just like a Whopper. So my wife been kind of going crazy about it, wanting to taste it. We're supposed to try it today, but we're actually going to try it tomorrow. And uh, I guess my biggest concern is it's probably a reason why it tastes like a damn Whopper. It's probably because they putting it on the same damn grill as the regular burgers, you know what I'm saying? I doubt they, I highly doubt Burger King's gonna have a separate grill for an impossible burger that probably is only gonna sell about 10, 15, maybe 20 a day, you know what I'm saying? And I highly doubt they're gonna clean the grill just to cook one patty on there, you know, so I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical, but I know my wife want to try it. So that's kind of been on my mind is figuring out what the hell is actually in this Impossible Burger and why is Burger King uh, pubbing this? Now, is this that Beyond mm-hmm. Meat stuff? No, it's different. It's because it, it's, okay. it's, it's, uh, you got your Beyond Meat, but this is something else. This is called the Impossible Burger, which is uh, it's basically, I guess you can consider like Beyond Meat's uh, competitor or whatever. Mm. But they basically look like the same. Like they use like the beet, so it look like it's kind of red, you know, like that ground meat, raw ground mm. meat look to it or whatever. But like I guess they said it tastes just like a Whopper, so right. I don't know, man. And then, you know, you don't 
you wouldn't think Burger King about to modify all their kitchens exactly. just for one just thing for in you. That they're not going to sell that much of. Right. I, I believe it would get sales, especially the initial sales. But uh, if if it's if it's banging, yeah, but if it's not... Mm. See, I don't know about that, man. I, I look at it and I say, only here in the United States are we so tied to the meat, you know what I mean? Uh, Burger King in other countries, man, shoot. You can, Burger King in India, Burger King in Japan, Burger King in China. They got a market where it's uh, people that's not as heavy on trying to get all that beef in their system. So, um, you know, there's, there's reasons why these restaurants have not have not succeeded in getting into other markets. This might be an avenue they use or see as as a ticket, you know. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it's definitely going to be a big avenue um, because the over, I guess, overproducing of meat in America is is crazy. What they say, we waste about forty percent of our food. I mean, mm-hmm. so that's a big number. So. Um, just like how China be eating up tofu. I mean, they got a billion people to feed. So, um, same thing in America. I mean, we we can we can only produce so many cows and chickens for everybody to get. You know, so this is what the world's coming to. So, it's not a big surprise to me at all. Good burger, can I take your order? <laughs> Just a good burger, please, and I'd like that to go. One good burger. <laughs> are you looking for financial security? We all are. I'm Trader Dre, and whether you're a new or a veteran investor, join us at TraderDre.com, where you can get the latest information on the markets and the news and understanding of how you can empower yourself to trade better for the future. Today's topic is what is the right education for the black youth? Hmm. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, who wants to start off? You want to start off first, uh, Trader Dre? I mean, yeah, I can. Man, it's a lot of things I can touch on, but I think the, the top of my list would be uh, financial literacy. I oh. mean, that's that's uh I gotta say that's the thing that if I had to say what is lacking in terms of what what's what I see in the education system right now for that's impacting greatly 
um, the black youth of today and potentially tomorrow, it's a lack of financial literacy. They're not teaching these kids, you know, uh, what to do with money, how to use it, how to build businesses. They're not they're not focused around driving home the points on economics and and why it's important. Most of the time, these kids take an economics course and they think, man, I'll never use this. I don't even understand this. But what they're trying to, they're never driving home that, that, that understanding of circulation of money, of opportunity costs, and the fact that these kids don't understand that. Um, it's it's really hurting they they chances out there in the future. I mean, they're making all the wrong moves a lot of times and not understanding why they're not advancing their situation. It's because, well, right. you know, they don't understand the simple principles of opportunity costs. You know, what are you giving up for this other thing that you're doing? You know what I'm saying? So um, when when they not gaining um when they're not gaining assets, when they're not gaining stuff like uh, uh, businesses, when they're not gaining education, and, you know, and they're trading it in for weed, for sports, for shoes, for, you know, music videos, the the opportunity cost is so much greater than they could ever truly understand. And this is like not just this is the aspect of financial literacy, but they don't understand that this is life literacy as well. So, uh, because this bridge is so many gaps and I just think that that's one of those things where it's like, if we could just find a way right. to instill that, not at the high school level, but I mean, like early on, like, like from the very start, six, seven years old, start driving in the point of here is opportunity. Here is how you take advantage of it. You know, here is money. Here is how to, one, save, to invest. Here's compound interest. You know, just drive these things early on and not just drive it from a, uh, you know, here, you youth take take part in this. But, you know, uh, you know, well, doing well, something you know, more than that. I heard that they took balancing the checkbook out of schools. Because when we was in school, remember, especially in elementary, we had to balance the check. But now that might be partially due to the debit card system we are on now. And pretty much the only people writing checks are somebody that's 65 and older. But but the balancing of checkbook, because you had to, that's math and stuff, of course, but it, you really had to keep up with each transaction. I mean, so now it's, or I guess the technology of, like I said, debit card system, everything. Now I guess they feel like they don't have to teach kids about financing checkbooks. Well, you, you, and you know, one of the things that was kind of um, a creative solution was, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, schools didn't feel like they had to teach us because, uh, you know, uh, communities had their own source for teaching these principles. Look at the, vi- I mean, not the video, the, uh, the the board game Monopoly. When I was yeah. growing up, if there's anything that teaches somebody what, you know, what holding an asset, the power of holding an asset is, right. it's that. But it was so abstract because it was a game. But a lot of, you know, for for our communities, everybody just tells you it's that's a game. But mm-hmm. in reality, no, that's real life. 
that is real life. When you own a property, mm-hmm. you have something. And when somebody eventually comes along and needs to be on that property, you can get paid. That's a real thing. But for us, we always saw it as like, oh, no, that's just a game. That's just a game. But no, other communities was taking that and running with it, man. Yep, they sure. saw the value. That's a that's a game, but that's reality. And then there was other games out there like the game of life. You know, people doing that, that teaching young people about the opportunity cost of, you know, this person went to college. This person went and got a job. Yeah. And where did they end up in there? This person started a business. This person worked for a company. Where did they end up in there? Those are the opportunity costs that those games was being was 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 teaching, you know. And that was being done not like at the school, but on a community level, in your family level, in your, you know, you go to your church thing and this is the stuff that was going on in your in your, you know, your neighborhood. The kids was playing those games. That was that was a part of your mm. your life, and all you needed was somebody to tell you, "Hey, this game is real." Right. <laughs> That's all you needed, and you it would have changed the, the whole focus of your. It's not a game; it's real, and it would have changed your whole perspective on everything. Right. So that's you know. Yeah, that's I'm at, man. That's that's why I see it's the biggest problem is, you know, we 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 don't have nobody telling these these kids what's really happening out there in terms of understanding how to financially empower themselves. Right. Well, what what about you, AP? Um, what's your take on is it what's the right education for the black youth? Man, I think it starts uh, with the teachers. Uh, the the teachers. First of all, uh, depending on the uh, geographical location, are pretty much predominantly white. Let's say, like you got a uh, like a a school like in in Compton or something, and it's predominantly like Hispanic and black. Most of the teachers is probably going to be, or probably eighty percent going to be Caucasian. So first of all, them teachers don't relate to those students. So. I mean, there there's no connection. So, I mean, there's no connection. Then you, if you not if you're not really getting to the students, then you know why should I try? You know, they they not listening. So I'm gonna just keep going. And then if they don't get it, then that's on them. And then uh, also, uh, a, a lot of these children of uh, especially like the black the black uh, the black males are uh, kind of can seem aggressive slash and or, you know, uh, intimidating. Mm-hmm. And especially if you got like a lot of Caucasian women that are teachers, they feel intimidated. So, you know, the first thing they're going to do is send them to the principal office or, you know, suspend them. So that's their way of, uh, you know, getting right. rid of that problem is just, you know, hey, well, I'm, I'm sending you out of here or I, I, you suspended for three days and then they get like a little break and then you come back and then you repeat the same step. So that's a, I think that's another reason uh, why we are in the state we are in. And then uh, I think uh, my last one, because I, I mean, I, I can't go on and on, but I, I think my last one is, is just at the... Uh, like these the school systems, man. If you really think about it, they're 
they're not really teaching us anything anymore. What they're doing is they're teaching us how to take tests. If you notice, like all these teachers, they get these yeah. incentives on on uh, if how many students pass the test. That's how they get their bonuses or their incentives or, or whatever. Like at the end of the year, you know, like the assessments mm-hmm. they take to find out if they're gonna go to the next to the next grade. So instead of teaching, like Trader Dre said, instead of teaching these students, like financial stability, financial, you know, just being able to balance the checkbook, because you spoke about that earlier, Mo Chris, about balancing checkbooks. I learned how to balance the checkbook from my mom. And the only reason why I learned that is because I asked her what she was doing, because she always had this book. And I right. always saw her writing numbers in there, but I didn't learn that in school. And I went to school in Texas, and they didn't teach us that, but... Yeah, like I said, they they're uh, instead of actually teaching the students, especially black males, actually mm-hmm. curriculum, they're they're teaching them how to pass tests in order to get to the next grade. And so, and so instead of learning multiplication, learning division, learning word problems stuff, I want you to learn how to take how to pass this test so that you can go to the next grade, so that I don't get fired because half my class fail the end of the end of the year test you know the, you know the statewide test to get to the next level i keep my job and and then i get you out you know and so well it's yeah. pretty interesting how you were saying about um talking about the uh caucasian teachers and stuff mm-hmm. it's you know the number one teacher that's in demand right now is the uh black male teachers they're in high demand. Correct. And that's one of the main reasons because of the inner city kids and and somebody got to kind of um, handle. They need that black male figure role model. And that's another reason why those are in demand. But yeah, you, you brought up a, a very, very good point. And and. And so something definitely has to be done on the on the teacher side because, um, you know, you can't expect some somebody that doesn't know your culture, doesn't understand you and to to be the authority figure over you and you're not going to respond well. And so that's why I guess. I mean, even somebody like me, because a lot of times males, we don't get into the teaching field because of the low pay, you know. So a lot of times um, uh, we all been to college here. Usually teaching is like the last result. Am I not right? Like, oh, if I don't find a job, I can just go teach. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that mentality, too, also has to change amongst teachers to get to quality teachers. And yes, these standardized tests, it's all a money money grab, um, especially in Texas. We know that, you know, of course, when they change the test every other year, not even SATs, they what they did, they, they changed the point system and then they went back to the old point system. You know, so you, you could tell that they doing these things, switching the test, the same test, but they got to make money off it. And so, but uh, I think uh, also I'm going to end with this too um, before we move on. Um, one of my points I want to bring up was was the uh, teaching our kids at home. Um, we must not uh, forget about teaching our babies our youth at home because first learning starts from from when you're adolescent adolescent from the people around you your parents 
your peers, your friends, and all that. So, and what's going on in, in this work day age where we got to work and we just send our kids off and come home and we're not going to be able to help our kids with their homework. And guess what? We honestly, a lot of times we don't, as parents, we, we don't know, we don't know the, um, we don't know algebra or we, if we forgot it, you know, mm-hmm. so um those that's another thing um problem but i think not so much the practical i call it practical you know like the algebra study this that that's practicality i think what's really missing in the home is the the knowing of where you come from and who you are because we are on the black community we're we robbed from our history Shit, we robbed from everything, right? But we was robbed from our history and and knowing who we are. And so when we go to school, a lot of times in the inner cities, whereas we can't get with the stuff that they're telling us. For one thing, we don't see ourselves. Um, two is like I said, the teachers. And and three, when we was talking about the the financial part of why we're not learning the finances part, well, a lot of times, you know, you you heard this before. Oh, how this gonna teach me how to make money? Mm-hmm. And so next day, you know, they back on the streets or or they gotta work. You know, I had a job at sixteen. You know, I had a job at sixteen. I was working full time. Um, I tell my story to a lot of kids early. I even put myself in my own apartment at seventeen. But I was; those were the responsibilities that I put it on myself, even though I didn't have to. But it was because of how I was upbringing. Now, nothing against my mom. My mom's the greatest. But it just shows you a lot that a lot of times. If kids got to worry about other issues that's bothering their life, that it'll affect their education. So I'm just going to end with um, uh, teaching our kids at home. The main thing is we got to teach our kids who they are. We, you know, a lot of times we just grow up learning about slave. We don't know that pretty much everything on this face of the earth, you as a black person invented. You know, I, I tell people everything, man. Everything. <laughs> but the, like, but the, the education drops only that tidbit about slavery. It's just like, here's this reminder of black history. Uh-huh. Y'all are beneath. Y'all <laughs> were beneath. Y'all still beneath. And y'all better damn well stay there or else. Because when you rise up, you ain't trying to hear that. Yeah, hey, man. You know, and that's, and that's the messaging. You know, that's mm-hmm. the messaging. So. Yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we just gotta uh, uh do that. But ladies and gentlemen, the captain has now turned off the fasten seatbelt sign, and you may now move around the cabin. However, we always recommend to keep your seatbelt fastened while you're seated. In a few moments, we will be passing around the cabin to offer you hot or cold beverages as well as breakfast, dinner, supper, a light meal, and or a snack. Alcoholic drinks such as champagne, wine, and a full liquor list are also available at a nominal charge with our compliments. Also, we will be showing you our video presentation. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight.
I guess this is a perfect time to segue into the uh, cruising aptitude where we talk about possibly solutions into um, solving uh, problems. In this case, we're talking about uh, what is the right education for our youth. So, uh, AP, what's some of the solutions that we can tell our listeners or audience on, you know, on combating this problem? Well, the, the first and most important thing we got to do with the teachers is we got to increase their salaries. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you spoke on it earlier, like we we see teaching as a last resort. Like I got a, several friends that went to school and graduated with an engineering degree. They mm-hmm. couldn't find an engineering job. So there's like, well, I guess I'll go teach, you know. They right. didn't want to go teach. It was just the last resort. So I feel like if we actually raise the teacher's rates to something that's like something that you could survive on and actually kind of flourish, you see more people wanting to go into that field and actually, you know, doing well and, and staying in that field because of the uh, the rates. Right. Like, uh, it was I, I know it was a it was a strike in L.A., teachers union strike in L.A. because they weren't paying enough and they actually. All the teachers left the school, so the the, the uh, students weren't getting taught nothing. They was at home, and so then their parents trying to figure out what they gonna do. Mm-hmm. So you know that that city was in a disarray, and there was another city I can't remember where it was where all the teachers went on strike. They in the same area because they weren't getting paid enough. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, man, as as parents, especially as black parents, because like I said, I know how young black males and and uh and women can be uh man we gotta we gotta we gotta discipline our children man because <laughs> what we do is and and i know this for a fact because i i have a lot of friends that are teachers is that instead of disciplining our children at home we send them to school and tell the teachers to deal with them Nowadays, you you could barely whoop your children at the house. So mm-hmm. how the hell are you going to whoop your children? At, how are you going to whoop their children at school mm-hmm. without them trying to fight you or, you know, calling the cops or something? And so nowadays, a lot of these black males is out of control, man. And the teachers are scared. They don't know what to do. So like like I said earlier, they sending them home or sending them to the principal office. The principal don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So he expels them. Mm-hmm. So now young Dre or young Johnny out there on the streets you know, for three days, you know, with his boys, like, man, let me get some of that money. So now he's falling into, you know, the, the trap or whatever. So that that's a that's the second thing is that we got to start disciplining our children at the house and actually, you know, get involved in the school. Like a lot of times we don't even know the damn teacher name for us, for our children. Who's the teacher? You know, we don't go to none of the parents' teacher conference. The only time we go up there is if they about to get expelled. And then, you know, we go up there to get them and bring them home. So, like me, I said, that's the second thing. What you about let to me say? ask you something, man. Oh, I, I'm just sorry. curious. If, well, let me change. Let me, let me kind of flip the perspective a little bit. How much of it do you think might be addressed if, if, if we had our own schools? Man, I was actually about that was my third topic, man. But you, you, you trying to jump ahead of me, man? No, man, I'm asking him because I, I, it sounded like that's what you know. You was kind of hinting at it. When, yeah. when well, that's what I, that's why that's what I'm trying to go. Parents, uh, getting involved, right? And stuff like that. To me, that sounds like a community-driven 
system, which right. usually a community driven system is we take control of our own shit. You know what I mean? So uh, in that case, that sounds like, you know, you're talking about having, you know, your own schools that teach your kids the way you want them to be taught. So, and you know, uh, if we did have our own schools, like what you're saying, community gym, and I believe that it would be like a domino effect. It would affect the kids because now they see their own running, doing it, and now they have a model where they can walk a straight path. Mm. So, my third topic, since Trader Dre want to jump ahead of me, is uh, <laughs> we need more black teachers, especially black males because yeah. I, fe- I feel like we missing that a lot of black males young males are, are missing that father figure because either their dad is dead or he's in jail or you know it's like a, a broken home or whatever the parents is divorced and so to segue into what Trader Dre was saying we do need our own schools because then and only then will you be able to actually discipline the males and the women the way that they should be disciplined <laughs> And, you know, and you nip that in the bud right away. But also, I feel like, you know, children only, they only can, they only try to do what they know they can get away with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, us growing up, you know, our mamas didn't play. And you can, and when you went to school, you know, it was that one black teacher that you like, oh, yeah, she don't play. I ain't even about to, because mm-hmm. I used to be a class clown, a class clown. But when I went to this, my my teacher, Mrs. Durst in middle school, she ain't messing around. So I already knew I wasn't going to, I'm about to just handle my business because she don't play. And so I feel like that's what, that's what we need is like Trader Dre said, we need our own schools where we raised, you know, like how we grew up and it, and it's a, you know, it's a more comfortable environment, and we act, we know they actually care. Cause if if a, if a child know you don't really care, they ain't gonna try. Cause why should they try? You know, you don't care. Mm-hmm. But if you actually care, then a, a child is gonna put forth the work, cause he know that you care about it, and he know that you want him to do a do a good job, and he don't want to let you down. You know, you don't want to you don't want to let your teacher down, cause you actually respect them. I think that's like a key thing you just hit on man and that's that's around driving value not not necessarily just value in terms of the quality of the education but driving a sense of value into that student like mm-hmm. you said when a student know they are cared about that's a powerful thing because they feel valuable so right. they feel like you know, this person is spending their time, this person is spending their energy to make sure mm-hmm. I do my best. And that gives them a sense of self-worth that the rest of the world has basically been dri- driving driving towards, you know, taking it out of them. You know, right. the reason, you know, I, I feel like we see all these young brothers out there killing each other nowadays and, and why black on black violence is just so high is because uh, brothers don't value young young men are not being taught to value their lives. They're not mm, being right. taught to value the lives of others. And, you know, that comes from something as, as simplistic as having a sense of value in yourself. Mm-hmm. And when when you are getting that sense of value, when you're getting that tension that warrants that, you know, it, it completely changes personalities and it completely changes worldviews. So I think so, that's, I think AP hit that right on the head, man. So, so straight or Dre, um, what's some of the solutions 
where we can improve financial literacy among our youth? Oh man, starting early. Yeah. Starting early. I mean, I think if the schools ain't gonna do it, then parents have to. Right. And right. I mean, this is one of those things where it has to be talked about. You know, it's kind of always a stigma where you, you know, people seem like they don't want to talk about money. And then the problem with a lot of people is because they ain't got no damn money. But the 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 teaching of gaining assets has to begin early. Um, you know, parents need to be coming forth and recognizing early on where they succeeded and where they failed in their financial mm-hmm. endeavors and, and expressing that to their children and passing on knowledge themselves for for what they want their kids to do. There's almost no reason for, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a kid today, there's no reason for you not to be setting up an investment account for your kid right now. Oh, like oh, whether uh-huh. it's a 529, whether it's a 401k, uh, or what? Maybe not a 401k, but you know, maybe it's a, a just an, a different kind of investment account. Um, right. uh, whether you invest in in, in like uh, uh, some sort of real estate, uh, I do that for my kids, man. I, I got a real estate account I got for my kids. Um, we got an investment account for our kids. Um, I don't see any reason why you would not give them something to start with and 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 build on that. Like I know some people do the 529 and they want to use that to uh, build a, 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 a an economic base for the kid to be able to afford college. Um, I personally, this is just my personal opinion. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's a little restrictive because I don't know where the future is going to be in terms of what right. colleges are going to offer for the students. Mm-hmm. So so for that very reason, that's the only thing that's keeping me from going with a 529 for the kids. Now, I don't know. Laws may change. That 529 may be able to get rolled into something different. But, um, you know. One thing I really like the idea of is, you know, when people talk about, man, you know, you can start an IRA for your kid as early as you want. You know, you start the you start it as like a custodial account and then they can take it over when they 20, when they 18, when they 24 or whatever. But just imagine that if you was able to put uh-huh. in four or five thousand dollars a year towards a kid and that got to grow for 18 years before they ever took over it. And then imagine what it would do by the time they hit their 40s and 50s. You get what I'm saying? Right. I I got another rebuttal, too, for you, uh, Trader Dre, Mm -hmm. because my personal experience, I know, like I said, I I started working right at 16. Well, really 14, but my first paycheck, you know. But anyway, 16. I'm right there Um, with you, man. Right. And I was remembering I was filling out my W-2 form and I asked my mom because I didn't know I didn't know what to do or whatever. And my mom, she just like, just put zero. But I didn't want to just put zero. I wanted to actually know what that I was form. doing. Yeah. Right. What I was doing. And so the reason why I brought that up is is I feel like this is happening in the black community, not just um, with my personal experience, but I feel like black parents don't teach money financial. I mean, either either they don't they, know it, man. They don't know it. But yeah, let me tell you another it. one. I feel like it that gets overlooked. Black parents, we I don't want to say we, but black parents, they 
don't want to let their kids know they're from money business. Because, like, I remember growing up, now I listen to uh, a little white kid or whatever, they'll know they hold, they'll know what their parents do, how much they make, what kind of property they got. Like, they know. And so in a black community, we get taught to stay out of grown folks' business. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is detrimental to a kid that's trying to learn. Now, I understand they might not, you got to give them what they handle, you mm-hmm. know, but if a kid's trying to learn about salary, how much, uh, how much your doctor make in, and, and I know sometimes we feel shame. I wouldn't feel shame because I look at money differently now. But the old me, I'd be like, uh, you'd be shame. You don't want to let your kid know that you make him what, $15 an hour or something like that, or, you know, so I feel like that's also what help, um, hinders um, young black kids to learning finances because our, our parents and stuff or don't want to share certain knowledge. And then when they get older, like grown and stuff like that, a lot of kids either got to undo what their parents was doing or or they follow down the same trap. So I just wanted to uh, bring that point in before we get off the uh, financial literacy part. No, I mean, that, that that's a key component of it. It's like, um, you know, what uh, we were... We've talked about this kind of before in terms of what the black community is now versus what it was in segregation times. But in the time of segregation, black businesses were mm-hmm. around. They were thriving. Yeah. They were yeah. pillars in their communities. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the black church. Um, you know, there was supplemental aspects that people had in terms of what they saw right what they learned from their family you know when when you learned the family business it wasn't it was a thing of pride right you know i'm saying right. you took pride in that because that was your family's business whether it was you know uh they ran the tour company or they ran the uh the jeweler at the at, you know on main street or the flo- the florist or whatever you know that was their business and that was a thing to take pride in and you had to understand how to run that business because a family business was right. a true family business you worked there that was your thing so you know i look at financial literacy as uh the key to to breaking so many chains that are placed on us right now uh mm-hmm. you look at uh, young brothers right now, what is it, like 25% of us basically are getting picked up by the time we're 13 and put into the system. Mm. You know? And then, you know, of that, you know, that number that gets put into the system, and by the system I mean our prison systems, our juvenile uh, detention systems, our, um, you know, everything that they can to get the information on you that restricts you from being a productive member in society. Well, you know, you can take that power away from them that they've tried to take away from us. Because mm-hmm. you imagine, just imagine if 25% of all white men were in jail and were not contributing to the economic machine of the system, that would be a devastating blow. That would be just truly devastating. And it, has been, and it has been truly devastating mm-hmm. for the black community because you think about that, 25% of 
able-bodied men are now unable to realize their true earning potential and maximize on that for their families. So they're not buying houses. They're not making investments. They're not securing their children's future by, you know, setting aside money for their college. So what you've done is you've created this cycle where everybody just starts going backwards and keeps going backwards because now the kids can't afford college because now when daddy do come home, he's a burden on the family instead of a help to the family because why the system don't want you to get a job because you a felon. You know what I'm saying? But imagine if we had our own businesses, that brother could come home and he'd go work for his uncle. Yeah, It may not be the best paying job, but he'd be out there within the family business contributing yeah. to the family's wealth, you know, reasserting his place in the household as a breadwinner, you know, and as a productive member of not just society, but if his intimate community, i.e. his family, you know what I'm saying? So that's 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 a piece of this that gets taken out. This is not just a financial right. thing. This is a family thing. This solves a this solves multiple problems and this creates bonds and learning lessons within communities that does not exist today. Great. But man, well said, well said. Couldn't say it even better myself. <laughs> I mean, you hit it home. Um, So. or information regarding Chemtrails Podcast, please email us at chemtrailspodcast at gmail.com. Get your voice heard at www.chemtrails.mn.co. Join the community. What up, what up? It's your boy AP. Make sure you follow us at Chemtrails Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Hit us up. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, what you want us to discuss. Once again, that's Chemtrails Podcast at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Peace out. This is the last section, uh, part of the show where we 
we do the landing. And this is where we give um, give resources on to obtain everything we talk about. So I'm going to start off right now. Um, um, I talked about earlier in the show about um, bringing the education home first, teaching our youth at home. Um, some of the resources we got, we got people that 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 go around, they give lectures and stuff. So don't be afraid to, especially if you have teenagers, uh, go to your your local um, black community, whatever they have community forums at near you, and pick up some of those resources. Um, there's DVDs. Um, we talk about hidden colors. Um, those are just foundations. And this is not just a... Uh, well, what I'm saying is not just to get people to think like me or to convert or whatever, but a lot of these things just takes one hour just to to make your, to inspire. These are inspiring tools that you can give your youth, our youth, and where they can grow up, learn, and now they can better themselves as well as the society. So certain tools, just um, like I said, your local forums, um, PTO meetings. Uh, go to your PTO meetings in your school. Um, my sister, um, she tell me that I couldn't believe this. They make them pay a monthly membership or subscription now. Um, to a P to, to be a part of the PTO, I did, I'm like wow, that baffled me. So I guess they that's what they doing now. But um, like I said, get involved in your school education. If you if you don't know, know the know the sources. Be like, hey, I don't know uh, finances, whatever. But I know Dr. Claude Anderson. You know, uh, what's the uh, AP, what's the, back at PV, what's the uh, dude that t- taught math? He was like a... Oh, you talking about Dr. Frazier? Dr. Frazier? Yeah, Dr. Frazier. Dr. Yeah. Frazier had books, not just for the college level, but he had books that he published to teach our young black kids. Man, And these, this is what I feel like sleepers. It's a lot of sleepers out there in black communities where they might not be a big, big name, but their impact is just as big as anybody. And that was Dr. Frazier. So um, I just end with that. Um, so, AP, what's your, um, what you got for him? Man, <laughs> you done touched so many different topics and dropped uh-huh. so many jewels, man. Honestly, like I said, I, I'll just say, man, it started at the house. Like, yeah, the, the, the parents just got to, they got to teach their children the truth, teach them what's right, stay on them, stay a part of their lives, find mm-hmm. out what's going on in their lives. You know, you you just got to, you know, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm guilty of doing it. Sometimes Trader Dre with me, come home, you man, uh, the man that tore you up, wore you out. You come home, you don't want to deal with nothing. You just want to get something to eat, take a shower and just chill, not have to worry about nothing. Well, that day, you know, your daughter or your son could have had a bad day in school and, you know, he depressed. And instead of you trying to figure out what's happening with him, you just trying to handle your stuff. So you just got to, I mean, you just got to stay in their life, man, and, and try to 
teach them the, the difference between right and wrong, teach them the real history of, 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 you know, the stuff they don't teach you in school and just, man, you just got to, we got to work on being better parents, man. I know it's hard. Parenting is hard. I, I tell everybody all the time, I say that marriage is probably the hardest thing in life. And then second is parenting. So we just got to, we got to do better, especially as black mm-hmm. men, especially as black men, because like I said, like Trader Dre said, man, they they locking up our, our young black men. And so I feel like, you know, as as black fathers, we got to do our job to make sure that they don't get our sons and, mm-hmm. you know, and don't get nobody else's son because, you know, we're a community. So we just got to we got to we got to keep doing what we're doing, step up and just be a part of our children's lives as well as other children's lives that probably don't have dads. That's that's my take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you got for us, Trader Dre? Um, I'm really going to kind of, I really like what AP said, and I'm I'm going to kind of drive home a point that um, I think for, for, in terms of just keeping your eye on the ball, right? We got to remember that this is, uh, if you was to treat this as a game, uh, this is not checkers. This ain't one move, then the next move like that. You can't think of it that way. You got to think of this as like chess. This is a long-term, uh, drawn-out, strategic game. Mm-hmm. And we got to remember who are who, who the, the chess piece that represents our king, the most important player on the board, and AP hit on it. Those are our children, yeah, our future. And... If you are not looking at it like that, if you are not putting in the time recognizing that they are the treasure of your community, of your household, if you, you know, this, I I know I talk about financial education. I talk about gaining wealth for the family. But realistically, the thing that is most valuable in that household is that young son and daughter that Mm. you are raising. They are, you know, my daddy used to say this to me and my sister, and I I can't believe he didn't blush when he said this out of embarrassment, but he said, you know, he told me and my sister, he used to say, y'all are worth 10,000 diamonds to me. And y'all, I would not trade you for nothing. And, you know, what that did for my self-esteem what that did for understanding how valuable I was to my father and what it did to 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 me as a young father now of two uh, beautiful girls what what I value them at is un you know unattainable you know wealth because I am rich beyond my belief because beyond belief because I have them in my lives so understand that you know they're your they are your jewels. They are your treasures. And if you are not playing this game to protect them, because the world is coming after them. So like I said, this is like chess. This world is not coming after you. You're a pawn at this point. Right. You know, they're coming after your children. And you need to start playing the game as if you are going to be putting up pieces in play to protect them. Financial education mm-hmm. is your night. Uh, education um, in, a, in, in whatever the school system may be, degree or whatever, certification, whatever, that's your rook. You know what I'm saying? And putting in place um, 
multiple streams of income are the pawns and pieces that move your agenda forward for your king and queen that's in your household. So mm. That's my I like point. how you broke that down, East chess pieces. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you, you got to think about it like that, man. This is, they coming for your kids, man. And for, and for the people that's not out there believing that, you know, oh no, it's not that, it's not that. No, the numbers don't lie. Our young men are under attack. Mm-hmm. They are under attack. There is no army that suffers a 25% loss and says, no, we ain't fighting. This ain't a battle. No, man, you take 25% loss. <laughs> you you know you on the losing side of this thing because they ain't losing on their side. <laughs> right, it's right. a 25% to one loss rate. Right. Here. You losing. And you got to start recognizing you losing. Yeah. So, and, you know, like I said, they're not coming after you. They're coming after your treasures. They they are subjecting them to shit that shouldn't be subjected to. You know, AP talked about it, man. These fathers are, you know, not there. Are they incarcerated and stuff like that? The broken home is, is the hardest, hardest thing for these young people to overcome. Right, right. You know, I... Um... Yeah. In closing, man, I'm glad that was a good show we had, especially you breaking it down at the end with the chess game. Remind me of the conversation I had with my nephew. I was like, hey, man, you are in competition. I'm still trying to break. I should have brought that up earlier in the show, but we got a breakthrough in our youth that's, hey, you are competing. When you're in school, mm-hmm. is competition, just like you are on the football field, mm-hmm. in the classroom, same energy. But anyway, that, that's been our show, man. Great, great conversation. I loved it. Um, to all our listeners out there, don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast, write and review. Um, hit us up on all our uh platforms that uh chemtrails podcast that's uh chemtrails podcast at twitter instagram facebook is gmail as well hit us um, up on chemtrails and mighty networks mighty join Network. the movement join the movement join the movement we out yes, sir <laughs> <laughs>